Welcome to the VF Comics Podcast, the weekly comic book sequential art podcast for all types of readers. Every week, we explore the world of comics in an effort to educate ourselves and you, our listeners, on all of the great literature you may be missing out on. This week, I have with me the second-rate Thor wannabe, Beta Ray James. Ha uh-huh. ha. <laughs> and then I also have with us the reason that I'm afraid of the ocean, Megalodon. Hello, as you should be. And we also have with us a special guest, a writer for Second Sight Publishing and creator of The Edge, Marvin Wynn. How's it going? We apologize for the week delay in episodes, but I did have a family emergency with my mother. She's fine now, but I'm going to have to work a lot harder to make a better trap for next time for her. You guys have seen Saul, right? (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, um, play a game. Let's play a game. Oh huh? no, <laughs> Marcus isn't funny. We apologize. <laughs> My mom, if, if she even listens to this, and I don't think that she does anymore, <laughs> is probably like, "I hate you." Yeah, I'm um, sure she appreciates that. No, she has the same humor. We're good. I hope. So I am going to go ahead and start off with this week interviewing our creator guest uh, right away. And as again, he is the author of The Edge, a new series that's coming from publisher Second Sight Publishing. Marvin, tell us a little bit about your history, your personal history with comics and what inspires you to write. Yeah, so uh, my origin story would start back in the 80s with uh, G.I. Joe. Um, so watching the G.I. Joe animated series um, and then moving to comics, you know, G.I. Joe was the only comic book that had a commercial. So you would watch G.I. Joe and then they would show a commercial for the comic and like, I'll join the adventure or continue the action. And that was my first venture in the comic books. So from there, I moved on to, I believe, Captain America was my second issue, Spider-Man and then Avengers. From Avengers, I went to X-Men, and then X-Men is where my, by by the time we got to the 90s is where I found uh, Jim Lee. So Jim Lee and his cohorts decided that they wanted to go on their own away from Marvel and DC and form Image. And that is where everything started for me because it showed me that you can do this on your own. You don't need uh, the big money or the big, the big Marvel or DC logo to do comic books. So it was from that point on that I wanted to create comics was when image uh, was introduced. That's actually a really inspirational way to look at it. That like image breaking off and these creators starting their own thing. I, I feel like I see so many small successful publishers now where at the time, you know, DC and Marvel were so prominent. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, they were so prominent that in the 90s, they almost both destroyed themselves in the comic book world, especially Marvel. Yeah. Um, and it almost took all the other smaller publishers that popped up during that time when Image were with them. So, yeah. Or mostly did. Most of those guys didn't survive the 90s. Yeah. Well, and things are looking back up again. There's, And I know we cover a lot of independent books here. And because there's just so much good stuff out there now and such a variety. And we're going to talk about one of them, a uh, bad idea later, because I can't decide if I'm frustrated with them or not, James. Um, but I'm sure you've heard people complain about that. Um, right. But moving on. So 
the edge right now has issues one and two out and you're getting ready to release issue number three. And we're actually going to have a preview this Wednesday up on our blog of issue one and some of the covers and toys that you've uh, sent us images for. The covers are so good looking and the toys too are really good quality. Um, But before we get into all that, I tell our listeners a little bit about the story. And if you want where you would like things to go with this book. Right. So the, I would say like the elevator pitch is that the um, edge is a drug that grants abilities at the cost of your life. So we have our character who is pretty much a lead uh, of the first parts of the story, Revenant, who is a government assassin who no longer wants to work for the government. He wants to go freelance and he's taking the secrets of the edge, not just in his head, but in his blood. And they're not really concerned about him telling anybody about it because more than likely he won't tell anybody because I consider him to be a jerk, but no one's going to believe him. But if they get a hold of his blood, then all all hell breaks loose because now the secrets are out there. So they form a strike team is formed to go after him and either to eliminate him or to bring him into custody. Uh, The one thing that we really try to do is not tell you who the villain or who the good guys are. We want the reader to decide on that on their own. Because we want these to be like shades of gray characters where they're not just going to always do the right thing according to what we would think would be the right thing because it's about survival. And sometimes when you're trying to survive, you're willing to take risks and take chances that you wouldn't do in in normal situations. Well, and I I noticed that in the first issue alone that you've supplied me with that – I can't really tell if there's someone who I'm going to root for so far. Like it is a very complex world. Like you've clearly thought out not just the beginning of the series, but the world around these characters. Um, Because I think in a basic level, Revenant is a character that you would support. And, but he like, I mean, you make it clear pretty quick. He's he's kind of an ass. Yeah. Um, And with these other characters working for like a secret organization that he's also against, you're not sure how to feel about them. Although they are all really kick ass in their um, own ways. Um, so right. the next I it's how it's, I think it's in the, in those kind of, it's how you de- debuted a character. Like we debuted a character of Revenant doing nefarious things. We debuted the other characters doing somewhat heroic things, but then later in the story though, that could shift. And that's what we, we say that we don't we don't want you to know who the good guys and the bad guys are because they're just out here in this world where there's things happening around them and they don't they don't know how to do. Not that clear back in black and white, right and wrong heroes and villains, which is a common criticism for superhero comics is that they're like, oh, yeah, the good guys are totally always going to win. Yeah. Um, and usually that happens in anything. That's why we always get so excited and are really connected to anything where the bad guys end up winning or the good guys just lose, even if the bad guys lose too. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things I was most impressed with um, when I was looking at this book and I got the first issue was the art too. And you and I have talked a little bit about how your artist, Mark V, is that how I say the name? Uh, Yeah, that's his nickname, but uh, we, we kind of made a change. Uh, with the solicitations for the book, and I'm going to say his name, and I'm going to butcher it so bad. <laughs> so it is Mark Louis Bunkikikak is is what is his last name. So 
very quickly when I first met him, I was like, all right, Mark V, how's it going? Because there's no yeah. way. <laughs> I, well, firstly, I'm not going to spell it, but I'm not going to pronounce it every time. So he's like, it's just, all right, I give up. You're Mark V now or or Mark Louis or just Mark or M if, if we and I, if we get down to it, because we start we start calling it's all in the studio M2 studios. What is what it is. Yes, for Marvin and Mark. I like it. <laughs> I like well, and I hope y'all keep working together because I mean what the things you were telling me about about how he's taken the narrative that you've supplied him with and the ideas, and he's taken several pieces of the story you've written just to the next level. Like mm-hmm. um there is on you'll see it on Wednesday on our blog post if you want to check it out. But there is a full page spread of the character Inertia, and she can create portals. Uh, interim. Um, interim. I'm sorry, Inertia. Who is it? I've got my, I'm getting characters mixed up. <laughs> um, interim. Interim uh, can create portals, and she gets into a room, and it's just kind of the way he's done it is it's almost a full page spread of her, and there's little panels at the bottom showing where each of her portals and like her fist and her kicks her punches and her kicks end up. And it's mm-hmm. just a really cool, just it's a cool piece of art. And I think you had told me he hadn't, you hadn't planned on that. He just kind of yeah. took off with that. Yeah. No, yeah, that was, that was his, it, it, his discretion. Cause I gave him like full control over making changes to the panels and like his eye is different than my eye, the way I would see things. And just doing that where the, the motions of the it looks like the panels are moving uh, with that. And that's the, the one thing that he always wants to do is to make the panels interesting. We don't have to follow any kind of rules and no one wants to see block panels in a, in a comic. It's not just the same size panel on every page. It's boring because all you're doing is trying to fit something into that box uh, and then trying to tell a story going just from left to right, down, left to right, down, left to right. You really want to get someone's eye and, and show something different and make it more kinetic and have more energy and make it more fun so that people want to turn that page to get to the next thing. Absolutely. Yeah, he's done a great job of setting it up. I'm really, really impressed. And I also saw, and I mentioned this earlier that you'd sent me some pictures. So on your social media accounts, you've gotten the characters made into toys already. Yeah. And they're really honestly affordable for such a small operation that I feel like y'all are operating, you know, a uh, second site publishing seems to be a very small upstarting publisher. Mm-hmm. I think they have three series going on right now. Oh, well, I, I think, I think we're up to 25 books or more right now. Oh, is it up to 25 books? Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe yeah. there was, I think there was just three in the previews I was looking right, at. That's right. what it was. It was the, and, horror. Yeah, and, yeah, the first, the first previews. And then after that, things just started to, to flow. <laughs> And I, I think I think twenty five or thirty books is what what uh, some wow. cycles up to now. That's awesome. That's really really cool. Um, so like for the toy thing, the something I'm curious about because you're you're trying to what's what's the word I'm looking for? It's not just a story you're writing. Like you're mm-hmm. very invested in this IP. Like this yep. is your baby. Right. So when it comes to doing the extra stuff on top of writing the book, you know, what, what's this process like? Like how, how have you managed to do this? So when we, we did our first and I've got one right here, I've always, I've always got this sitting by my desk. Oh, nice. I just yes. take it out and, and it so inspires cool. me to, to do work. <laughs> so uh, we this originally so did, 
this uh, mini statue first, and it did it did pretty good. And I've got like here on the table behind me, I've got I don't know if you can that, those are all I have left. Oh, from, I see. Yeah. I think I had four hundred of those, and that's all that's left. Wow. So Whoa, we're that's awesome. like once once we close that out, we're not doing those those anymore. And what ended up happening was I was work I've been working with uh, Loose Collector uh, for about six or seven years now. And they did, um, and wait a minute, let me scroll back a little bit. Let me see if I work out these things. Oh, over here. So they did the six inch ones for me a, a little while ago. So they were just customs. Oh, sweet. So we started talking because they went to full fledged manufacturing of action figures and not just on customs. They did uh, a Lady Death figure, and they did a, I think it's Purgatory for Coffin Comics, so for uh, Brian Palato. And they they came he came to talk to me and said, hey, um, you know we still really like your 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 book and everything, so are you want to do figures? And I said, yeah, well let's figure out costs. So we were talking about doing six inch, and the cost just wasn't going to work uh, for me or for for people I was going to sell them to. I don't I think. Like a, you could sell a lady death figure for a hundred dollars. I don't think you want to sell a blank figure for a hundred dollars. I thought it was it was a little too much, <laughs> so we decided to do the three inch GI Joe scale. So GI Joe again, you have James's attention. <laughs> yeah. So the GI Joe scale works in multiple ways because there it's it's a booming market now uh, for that scale. So you've got. Um, You've got the return of was it adventure people? You've got Joy Toy. You've got multiple other small factories or small publishers doing uh, those kind of stale figures. So I figured, all right, let's jump into that market now that Hasbro decided they wanted to do three inch figures again because the, the the market was ready for it. But of course, they went sideways with it, and people were mad because they only at Walmart. You can you know, it's the only place you can get them, and they're never in the store. So we decided to go the three inch. So I, we're doing those for 30 for right now, just to get a, a, a taste of the market and see how things are going to go. And the plan is, is to do that and then get the cost down on them. It's like once you make those prototypes, all your costs come down with those, with those kind of things. And that's what just sort of market. So it's 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 trying to do a twofold. So you're trying to crack an, a market and then do cross promotion. So you want people who buy toys to buy comics and want com- people who buy comics to buy toys. I mean, <laughs> to go back to GI Joe, it's you. You brought that up as the first thing that inspired you, and it just like it seems to be bleeding out of how you're yeah. approaching the edge, and it's yeah. really really cool. But especially, I you know, again, I'm just from the independent comics I pick up at the shop. You don't see a lot of extended content besides just the books mm-hmm. at your local shops, and so it's really cool if I could really get into a series to pick up like little th- the three inch toys. Like I'm personally a very attracted to that size of a toy because I can fit that on my shelf easier than yeah. like the, you know, 50 inch uh, toys. Yeah. Right. And um, then, then that opens up those markets because you have all those smaller scale vehicles too. So you can get uh-huh. uh, those giant uh, airplanes they have at target that I, that I did get. Yeah, so it's, it's it's wait, mean 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 why 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 do this when I can just show you? Yeah, please show me. <laughs> sorry, to all well, those our, who are just listening, we're sorry, sorry, but we got to see this and plane. At this giant 
monster oh, yeah. of a thing. <laughs> so I can use this with the figure. So I mean it's it's just those kind of things. You like you see these things in stores, you're like, man, what am I gonna do with that? And then you buy it and like I got something to do with it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, and you said the name of the company that you're working with is called Loose Collector? Correct. Okay, cool. I definitely want to find them and look into that. Like, that's right. such a cool So, like idea. I said, it's, it's not an easy thing to do, but it, when you're on this journey, you make partners, you make friends. And then when you want to do things like that and they can do them and they're like, oh, we'll give you a deal because we're buddies. So, it's not, mm-hmm. it's, it's not something that everyone can yeah. do and not easy, but... I mean, I'm not a guy that wants to pave the pave the way for other people. I want to like do those kind of things and then say, then it becomes a resource and it becomes a service. So now we can go to independent publisher and say, hey, we can do your figures for you. And it's not going to cost as much as it used to. How many shops do you have? Um, well, to, to go around that, how many shops currently uh, would you say Second Sight and your book are in? I, I know would that by say we're, we're, we're probably around a thousand. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So um, we should make that 1,001. No pressure. I sent James an email last week. I mean. <laughs> okay, good. Yes, yeah, that's awesome. We had the process started. Okay. Good, 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 good. That would be so cool. And, you know, honestly, like, I think it's really cool um, for a shop here to have, like, as much of exclusive content, too. It's like, you know, I, I don't think Second Sight has a because they may not have a big presence here in Arkansas. This could be a great way for them to get in and get pushed. Um, I'm definitely going to be picking up the edge. Um, right, so we um, we did do our first exclusive cover with uh, a YouTube channel called Rod the Regan in his comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a, hom- a homage to I think it was X Men Two Seventeen, the come come at us cover. So uh, we start talking about that like around April-ish. And it, it, was a lot of, it was a lot of apprehension on his story. He was like, how am I going to sell these things? Then was anybody going to buy them? I said, don't worry about it, man. They're, they're, they'll move. They're, they'll sell like hotcakes is, is what I used. <laughs> so he sold out within three weeks. Of, oh, wow. Of, I think he had 200 copies and they were gone very quickly. And I, I provided like a print from Mark and I sat here and I signed 200 prints. And... <sighs> Um, like when we, any, anyone who wants to do exclusive covers, I will do a print, um, for that exclusively to that. And I will sign each and every one, no matter how many there are, I will sit here <laughs> and I'll do my exercises to make sure this hand is ready so I can Man. sign all day. You might be uh, the hardest working individual in comics right now. <laughs> well, I, I, when I get on, on, on shows like this, people will ask me, do you sleep? And I was like, Really, I guess I don't because I don't I don't know if I sleep or not because even when I'm sleeping I'm probably thinking about comics. Oh my yeah. god! Yes, <laughs> you just take uh, twenty minute micro naps every day. It's, it's fine. You're not That's crazy. Good. Everyone else is crazy. And they'll say and they'll that do you have a day job? And I say I do have a day job. But I mean, do you? They then they say when do you sleep? I'm like, no, maybe I sleep standing up. Maybe I'm a vampire. I don't know. I might be <laughs> because on top of the toys and top of the comics, you also do. I remember when we first talked and we were trying to figure out a weekend to have you, mm-hmm. you were going to a convention. So like, yes. are you traveling to a lot of conventions too? Yes. Shops? So uh, we've got a show this weekend. Oh, okay. Uh, so where are y'all going to be this weekend? Uh, my mental con is in downtown Pittsburgh at the uh, David Lawrence convention center. Okay, cool. So and if 
there's anyone around here or anyone listening who's around there, you should definitely go check out Marvin Wynn and his booth there. So, and also besides uh, comics, toys, I also work on a friend's TV show. So we do conventions together, uh, Heronburg. So I am a, a character on the show at Heronburg. It's a live action female uh, superhero series uh, on the web. So there, there are clips on YouTube, uh, the website, you can download episodes. I play a character called uh, Corvon. I am a, a, a pedal in drugs and I give my girlfriend on the show uh, a meteorite uh, laced in drugs. The meteorite gives the, gives them powers. Oh, okay. So, and also, and I also do second camera on the show. So, man, you you can't sleep. You've got two. It makes me feel. You make me feel like a super lazy person I all know. of a sudden. I was watching I, I, Netflix right before this, and I'm just like, God, I could have been doing literally anything else. I was playing City man. Skyline. <laughs> I, I I liken I liken myself to if you remember in Living Color, uh, the Jamaican characters. Like when the, the guy had one job, you lazy man, you only have one job. That's that that's me. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I like. And, and then once again, they say, when do you sleep? And I try to figure out time to sleep because there's always something going on. Like we, we've been running uh, since April doing cons. We just got back. We went to Terrific Con in Connecticut. And that, that was a good show. Uh, we got to see Billy, like we're, we're friends with Billy Tucci and we got to hang out with him somewhat. Uh, we were supposed to do smoke cigarettes and then do shots with Billy, but Graham Nolan got, got stuck in an elevator at the uh, hotel, the Bohemian Sun. So we missed out on that. <laughs> I, I would definitely love to sit down and just get stories from you about situations like that. <laughs> well, I've oh got, I've got, I've got con stories, man. I've got, oh. stories. it's, it's it's such it's such an adventure and not being able to go. So we went. Our first con of the year was uh, Steel City Con here in Pittsburgh, and with Eric Halton Roadville. And the HVA on the Saturday. So this show is a Friday, Saturday, Sunday show, and the HVAC kicked out on Saturday. And it didn't take long before the con smell hit. And you get the con smell, and you're like, "Yep, we're back at conventions now because here it comes." <laughs> and I, I was telling a couple of guys that I carry spritzers with me and every once in a while when no one's looking, I do a little uh, in their general direction. <laughs> so, <Yep. laughs> and, 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 I, and I just say, like, there isn't anything wrong with carrying some deodorant or some kind of body spray or something with you when you come to these shows, because you're packed into a small space with a lot of people. It's going to get hot. Yep. And you need to stay clean because nobody, you nobody wants to come up to you and be like, hey, can I get a picture and you smell? I'm like, hey, let me hold my breath. Go no. <laughs> yeah. At Gen Con, we would see people with deodorant and Axe body spray, like lanyards of it, and just would walk up to people and be like, here, you need to use this. And just it's, hand it out to people. Oh, yeah. Those are the real it's heroes rough. of the convention. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. <laughs> I mean, it, it's almost like the cartoons when you would have the stink lines coming up off a person. You see them coming, and you're like, "Oh, look, they're stinky." Like <laughs> but, I mean, I, I, I love yes. talking to people at the shows, and I love enjoying their company. But come on, man, yeah. bring the deodorant. It's not. It, it's it doesn't take a lot of time for you to go into like a, a grocery store or Rite Aid or CVS or something and get those travel size sprays. 
yep. keep it with you of all times. That and then and then some banaka or some lifesaver, something in your, in your mouth. It's not hard. Please. Do. I had seen a meme online where like someone went to a convention with a sign that said, "You can afford a ticket to get in here," and a picture with Bruce Campbell. You can afford deodorant. I did not know oh. this was a thing. Wow. Yes, th- yeah. this is. You know, it's not the worst thing in the world. In smaller conventions, I haven't noticed it as much, but mm-hmm. it's something for concern. Like, especially if you get stuck in line behind somebody, what? you're like, I cannot wait this long. It's a <laughs> legit thing. At, at Gen Con, like, there are people who don't buy hotel rooms because Gen Con is open 24-7. And they have events going on 24-7. They sleep in the halls. Like these people don't have hotel rooms that are there for four days at these conventions and they don't have hotel rooms. Yeah. And so they smell, they, yeah. And you get people, people get sick and Mm -hmm. they get the crud, they call it the con crud. And yeah, it's a legit Mm -hmm. thing. I I would just like to invite anyone who is in the situation to come to my hotel room and take a shower. <laughs> open Please shower do. for all open those shower who are disgusting. Marvin wins hotel room at any convention that you're at. That's that's can't say a lot of a lot of writers will offer you their shower, um, or maybe you can. I don't know. We won't get into that. Um, I do want to backtrack real quick because something um, I had asked about when we got off track was I was curious a little bit about the edge universe. And I Mm -hmm. don't want to forget to talk to you about this because it's not just, um, if I remember correctly, it's not just this one kind of single isolated series you're planning. Um, you were looking into other things you wanted to do within the university edge. Can you tell us about that? Sure. So, uh, we, we break it down into arcs. So the arc could be four to six, maybe eight issues. So the first arc of Cork is, is called Revenant. Our next arc, which starts with issue five, is called uh, Reign of Chaos. So, and that's kind of a double meaning because the character is called Chaos, who's the lead, and then his his team is the Reign. So it's the Reign of Chaos. So it's not meaning that Chaos is coming to take over anything. It just means that he's has a Reign, which means that he's forming an army. So as you go along on that on that track, is that people are going to start choosing sides and it's not just going to be two sides. There's going to be multiple sides in, in these, these various groups that are forming armies to either stave off something that's coming or to just go to war with each other. But I said is that the whole entire series is based around things escalating. So for each situation that happens, it's going to escalate into something worse. So as you, as you go along, things get more, get worse, they get more dangerous, which means that you have to have allies. And people are going to form up and form allies with people they may not trust, uh, with people who may have tried to kill them in the past. But it's just going to be about who's the strongest and whatever comes out at the end. It could be bad for us or everybody, the world or maybe the universe, maybe a multiverse. We just don't know. Oh, man. Uh, That's that's really cool. Um. And are you wanting to do that in just like the Edge series or do you have like ideas for like spinoffs that would cover that sort of content? Well, what, what we're doing is we're doing like little stories that take place in between the arcs. So the first one is called Adrenaline Rush, which takes place between issues four and five. So there was a little bit of story uh, left over from the first four issues that we decided just to put it into its own one shot. So that's going to feature 
And it actually happens in Pittsburgh, which is going to give us a chance to, to do a crossover with uh, some of the characters from Harrenburg also, but also to bring in characters from my past. So when I first started doing this, uh, working on comics, it was on America Online. And, you know, they had the comic message boards. And I met a guy on there called, uh, his name's John Mytek. Uh, he works with Silverline. So he works with Roland Man. If you know who uh, Roland Man is, this cat, comic book cat and mouse. So he has a, a group called Sniper and Rook. And we've always been trying to get together to do this story uh, with his characters. And now we're finally going to get a chance to do that. So then between issues nine and 10, there'll be another arc called Fallen Angels. Uh, it's about a former uh, military rescue team. that are no longer military because they've all been injured. And their former general finds out that there are WMDs somewhere in Dubai. So he's going to form his, his former team to go and get at these, these, these WMDs that turn out not to be weapons, but they're people. Oh. So these are, these are going to be people who are in the final stages of, of the edge and they want to use them as weapons. Oh man. Wow. You've really got this. You've got this planned out. Like, you know where you're going yeah. with this story. Oh man. It sounds uh, super tense. I cannot wait to read more of it. Um, Oh, and, um, wow. Uh, and you, and, and I know you talked a little bit about Heroinberg earlier, mm-hmm. but I really wanted to make sure we highlighted it because I know it's something you're working on. First off, you said there's going to be a crossover with potentially with Heroinberg. Yes. Are you going to put yourself in your own comic as your <laughs> character from Heroinberg? I gotta know. <laughs> I thought about it. And then I decided not to because Corbon oh, is actually going to he's going to appear in Harrenburg and in the later issue. We we might do it. So it's 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 kind of going to be this thing where it's going to be a running I don't want to call it a running a joke where there's going to be two characters of Harrenburg. They're just going to be fighting continuously in some of the in the background sometimes. So there's a scene early in the book where this uh the, the one character is trying to form a like a little cadre a little team in Pittsburgh. And he's talking to one of the, the cops, who's a dirty cop in Harrenburg, telling him that I need I need you to keep the cops off my back for 48 hours while we make this deal. And one of the uh, characters he's going to hire is going to be a villain from Harrenburg. And one of the heroes is going to notice this and, and start fighting with her. And this is going to happen continuously throughout pages in the book where you're going to see these two scruff scuffling in the background. continuously. <laughs> oh, yeah. I that's love cool. That. Yeah, that's a cool idea. I like that. Um, and then, so, and then to, again, to highlight that Heroinberg. So can you give us the basic synopsis? Because I am going to include mm-hmm. a link to Heroinberg. Um, I'm interested in watching them, but can you give us kind of a synopsis as to what exactly that video series is sure. about? So it is a, it's in the fantastic um, uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And all of the characters are from neighborhoods in, in Pittsburgh. So you've got characters from our areas called Oakland and Shady Side and Squirrel Hill. And the process is, is that a meteorite explodes above Pittsburgh. And the chunks fall down and the females pick them up. And it only gives powers to females. So it ends up they end up forming their own league. So there's a heroin league and then there's a villain league. And it just, it just goes on from there. They have like a like there's one episode where they have a civil war between the, the heroines because everyone wants to be the leader, of course. So they have a fight about that. And the villains never can get along because they're villains and they everybody wants to get paid. So it's like one of those things. 
And then you've got a dirty cop who is trying to make it so they put the heroines on one of those checklists, like in um, Civil War again, where everyone's on this list and then they they have to ask the police if they can do heroin stuff and things like that. So it, it's a really awesome series and I, I'm really, I'm really happy to be a part of it. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, gosh, you're so busy. I can't even stand. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. And there's, um, I think there's like 30, there's like 20, 40 on like 20 uh, heroes and 20 villains on each side. So there's a bunch, there's a bunch of different actresses and things uh, that do uh, work on the show. That's awesome. I have to check more of that out. Um, so for our last couple of things before we move into our bit of news that we have this week about bad idea. Um, so one thing I wanted to get from you is that you as an just a independent writer managed to get hooked up with a publisher and you're putting out this book and it's high quality. What advice could you give to aspiring comic writers or artists for getting involved with small publishers? Um, I would say that, your best option is to go out to the store and pick up the books that they're publishing and look and see how those books look. Um, you're, you're not going to find a lot right now with, with, with a major publisher or a minor publisher, uh, unquality stuff. And your stuff has to be above board. That means the, the pencils have to be good. The colors have to be good. The letters have to be good. I've seen multiple books that are killed by one of those three things. Like you've got really good art and you get really bad colors or you've got really good art and colors and the lettering is bad. So it has to be that whole entire all three things have to work together. And then you have to have that story. Uh, You'll get you'll hook people with art on that first issue. But the story is what's going to keep bringing them back because you you already know I'm going to get quality art with this. But is the story any good? And I'm going to be able to follow the story. Like I can open the book and look at pretty art all day. I can buy an art book for that. Mm-hmm. But if you want something, it has to have a quality story. It is going to keep bringing people back for each issue as you go along. And that, I'm glad you said like these are like the three things you want to have together before approaching, even approaching small publishers. Because I've read tons of like books from mainstream where the art, like you said, got me. But after like a couple of issues, the story just it just sucked, and so I didn't yeah. keep getting it. There's there's so many, and I think thing to remember is there's so many options out there. Mm-hmm. You've got to make sure you're a team player. Yeah. Um, like you, you said you've given your artist a lot of like rain and how to like approach the panel situation on each page. And I think that's really good cooperation between the two of you and yeah. finding that's hard. I've met lots right. of comic writers who they just struggled to find an artist because you got to have that give and take. You have to have that, connected like idea that you want to do moving forward. It just easier said than done, I guess. Everyone has their ego. And it's kind of funny that I say that uh, because I was, I was actually talking to Mark and we were, we were talking about how many years we've been working together. And I actually went back through the emails and I sent him some of them and he goes, man, I had a really bad ego back then. He's like, I'm really surprised that you kept talking to me with the way that I, I was like, I didn't notice that, but he says, yeah, he said, yeah, I had an ego problem. And I mean, I didn't notice it, but he's, he, he noticed it and he, he brings it up all the time. I said, dude, it's okay, man. <laughs> you were, we were just meeting and it's okay. And, and it's just been since like, I think 2010, since 2010, we've been working together and it's been, it's been, it's been wonderful. That's awesome. Yeah. I think, you know, maybe the lack of ego, uh, you start, 
with like getting familiar with somebody and then just sometimes age, you yeah. know, like in my twenties, I thought I was the greatest <laughs> and that is slipping away in my thirties. <laughs> um, so the last thing, and this is just for my own curiosity, what character or series would you like to write the most? Like what existing character or series would you want to be the head writer for? So, and I, I'm actually trying to write a pitch for it. I want to do Batman before he was Batman. I want to do a Bruce Wayne series where he, it's it's kind of the, where he's being raised by Alfred, but Alfred is raising him, raising Batman because Bruce Wayne no longer exists. Okay. So kind of going into the psychology of just what happened with his parents. Right. I, I, my, my thought process is that Bruce Wayne died in that. Okay. That'd be really, really cool yes, to see. Yes, very cool. Especially because you, you, you said something that captured, because I've seen a lot of like, you know, Batman Begins-ish stuff where they're like, mm-hmm. oh, here's Bruce training. But the only Bruce growing up, I've only seen a couple of like Bruce really growing up with Alfred things. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those was Gotham. And as a Batman fan, I just, Gotham wasn't for me. Yeah. I, no judgment on anyone who does love it. If you do, that's great. Um but Gotham just didn't hit the spot that I needed right. it to for me. Well, I, I always think of it like this is that his servant is his guardian. Mm-hmm. How can he tell him what to do? Like he, he yeah. works for Bruce Wayne. <laughs> how does, yeah. how does, how does Alfred tell Bruce it's bedtime? No. And Bruce's like, no, it's not. <laughs> I pay you. <laughs> exactly. Um, so like, like it's, it's, it would be a really interesting and strange relationship where he would just say enough. I just you're 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 so angry that I can't I can't raise this person. Mm. And it would just change their whole dynamic of how he's being raised. Well, let us know how that pitch goes, because if that ever ends up going forward, I want to read it. That sounds cool. (laughs) Um, So moving on to I only picked one piece of news today because I knew we'd be talking to Marvin a whole lot. And we have when I look at the recording time, I cannot believe we've been talking uh, for 40, almost 40 I know, minutes. It already. doesn't feel like it. Um, Marvin, you're the best. Um, <laughs> so one thing I got to bring up and cause it's been frustrating me and it keeps escalating every week. Um, Marvin, are you aware of the publisher bad idea at yes. all? Okay. So in the past couple of weeks, they released the first of their final five books, hero trade, passive aggressive, except that it's really two books and they released one version of it on like the Western half of the United States and one version on the Eastern half. And one was called passive and one is aggressive. And no one knew this till they opened up the books. Um, you know, there are ways around this. Like you could order from one of the shops that had it or just try to buy a copy on eBay. Although those prices are going up. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you got one of the final five pre-order stickers, you can send it into bad idea and they'll send you the copy that you need but they're being kind of coy about it. Like they're like, yeah, send it in or should you? And as someone who reads, cause I like to read good stories and I don't really read to collect. I have found this such a frustrating thing because apparently the books are connected in some way. So you get like the whole picture of the story through these two books. And I'm just, anyways the next and then the other thing they've done apparently and james remind me you send in um there's a pin 
which pin do you send in for this exclusive two comics? Well, you can send the, they describe the pins as like a, a cryptocurrency that will get okay. you, uh, one of the, one of the, uh, exclusive comics that they're making for just people with pins. And just uh, to be clear, if, if for these pins, they're just, you know, they're, they just say bad idea. Uh, first, you know, basically one person per shop gets a pin, uh, per series. So the first person to get there and get the first issue that morning, that day gets a pin. So they're not super easy to find. They're very limited. And now they're saying that there are, if you send the pins in, we're going to send you these books that you can only get if you have a pin, which, you know, there's only a little under 200 stores around that are even bad idea stores. So that means that's a very limited couple of books. Oh, right. They have um, like their charter stores or or, or something that they do where, they only have certain stores that they deal with because mm-hmm. reasons. I don't yeah. yeah. And James is the only one in Arkansas and including a big chunks of our surrounding states. So if you're in like the South around here and you're in Arkansas at all, you've got to go to retrograde comics, which I mean, the books are really good. They're super high quality. But um, the thing I started reading online that frustrated me the most about this was that, Apparently some shops have only received a slap on the wrist because they've been giving pins to people who have pull list and they've been holding pins for pull list customers and not for the person that gets there first. Mm-hmm. How do they manage that though? How do they know? And and that's, and it, it, it's mostly just like hearsay and people have reported them, but I think some people aren't super re- being reporting a lot of it because they don't want to lose their bad idea store. Yeah. This is mostly, and granted this is internet sort of news. Like I see this on Facebook and Twitter. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I can't say for sure how true it is. If that's true, that's frustrating. I don't know how they would manage it. Well, they, uh, it usually ends up being one of your customers that outs you. I mean, for some reason, you know, people will, people will go and brag about what they've done. And I mean, you could kind of look at their region and kind of see who the retailer most likely was. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the, the biggest problems uh, really started early on whenever people, uh, particular retailers, uh, were selling comics above retail. Uh the rules state pretty clearly that you're not supposed to do that for the first month. And there were a couple of retailers who got booted just for that. Uh, the, all the stuff with the pins and the sticker and all that has been a little bit more loose, but yeah, you're right. There's, it, it is really difficult to kind of, you know, track that kind of thing. Uh, but like I said, you know, for some I mean, reason, a lot of fans can, you know, go on uh, Twitter or whatever and start bragging about it. And, you know, that's, you end that's, up that's, finding that's out. That's low grade snitching, though. Snitches get stitches, mm-hmm. right? I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean I, 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 and, and it's so funny because a lot of times they'll do it. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, wait a minute, don't punish my store. Don't do it. You know, <laughs> yeah. trying to, you know? And it's God. like, well, you know, this is. Loose lips sink ships. Right. I mean, if you're going to do it, do it anonymously. Don't don't have your name out there. 
But I mean, yeah. I, I I look at what they do, and I, I get what they're trying to do. I mean, you're 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 trying to create some kind of exclusive thing, but I mean, end of the day, it's it's just it's just another gimmick um, that could backfire on you so quickly, and it seems like it is. I mean, but how do you? I mean, and it could form a tailspin. I mean, you could go out of business on on that kind of stuff. And that's the thing is right now, I feel like it's adding like, you know, right now it's just at a, at a point where I think people are just complaining about they're complaining, but they're still buying. They're just like, oh, this is going to suck. But I'm, you know, it's like someone who and I compared this to with a friend like there are people who give negative reviews to Destiny 2 on Steam. Uh, but their time plates as like 2000 hours. It's like you will give a negative review with 2000 hours. So I think we're at that point where like people are frustrated, but they're still all in because the books and the stories are really good, but there might eventually be, yeah, a breaking point where people are just like, you know, you know, it's nice to reward these first pick people and people who are supporting you, but there's so many other people supporting you who have your books on a pull list and it's you know if their goal is to create a highly collectible market they're doing a great job with it Mm -hmm. by limiting the number of stores limiting who gets certain things by releasing two versions of a book without even telling retailers like they didn't even tell retailers that there were two versions of the book they ordered passive aggressive and they got one of them uh we got aggressive Mm -hmm. down here and you know, like I would like well, passive, but I've also kind of been haven't super been looking for it. So I'm afraid now I'm if I go looking for it, it's going to be expensive to buy. That yeah. sucks. Well, the uh, you know, I, I remember talking to them on the front end and they were very clear. You know, you got to have a certain almost like a sense of humor on this to kind of go <laughs> through. I think I think there's a much larger meta message that they're doing with this uh, about sort of like, you know, playing the speculation uh, craze and sort of using it as a marketing tool. Yeah. Uh, and I do know, and I'm fairly sure that there is a, there is way more to this story that's going to be clear uh, probably in the next few months. I'll just say that. I hope so, because they are so obtuse about everything that they do. (laughs) It is just, I mean, I'm not disliking it yet. Like, I'm still going to be picking up my Bad Idea books. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed them. But um, they have definitely are chosen a strange way. And, like, they're kind of, you know, sliding into the whole idea. They're like, well, we're called Bad Idea, Um, you know. And I'll admit, like, you do have to have a sense of humor to follow along. Like, they're, I think they're having fun messing with people. Mm I want those books and that's part of that frustration. But at the same time, with you, Marcus. They, they specifically <laughs> saw me and they were like, yeah, let's were get like, this guy. Let's find that Marcus. We're going to really play with his head. Yeah. All those, all those, like, yes. all those well-known creators were like, yeah, I heard about this guy, Marcus in Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> let's spend millions of dollars. with they Matt Kent hates me <laughs> personally he we met at a costco one time and i was, oh, was a really nice guy yeah, he asked you to help him get something off that shelf and you blew him off right i said get it yourself matt kent 
you prick. <laughs> Climb your own ladder, jerk. Yeah. Do I look like a Costco employee? <laughs> um, I am, but do I look like one? Um, so, yeah. Any, anyways, um, do you guys have any more thoughts about that? I just had to I had to talk about it. I had to voice a little of my frustration, but I'm having fun with it. Meg, like... Meg, as someone who doesn't really read regular series or pull them at the shop a lot, uh, which James will get you for eventually. Yeah, I'm um, the worst. <laughs> but you're like, what do you what when? What's your just honest opinion on what is going on? I oh god, I like gimmicks because I'm the oh. terrible. I'm just I'm awful. Um, I enjoy gimmicks to some extent. I think it's fun. I'm very competitive. And so anything that has like a competitive nature to it, I'm all over. But uh, the whole, I don't know. I don't like that the content isn't available for just anyone. I think that kind of goes against the nature of what com- the comic industry is trying to do and what they want. I mean, comics are for everyone. That is what we say. Um, if we're not giving it to everyone i don't really see the point but that's just me but at the same time if money wasn't an option you'd be pushing people over outside of but a also store yeah, to get those it, yeah. <laughs> if this were more important to me i would yes <laughs> um, yes it's a black it's black friday then is what, what you say I do oh, yeah, black friday <laughs> the first wednesday of the month is always crazy it sounds I'm, very I've, stressful. I decided that I'm going to beat somebody one day. Yeah, we have a fan. I will uh, go with you. A new pen available. You have a what? We have a new pen available for next week. Okay. So. Well, I've heard that Jeff Lemire might be uh, putting a book out through them. Oh, and there's so, all kinds of names what? that have been connected. Yeah, and the thing uh, is, there's a lot. And so, like, I saw that speculation recently, and I was like, oh, I'll, I'll take off work to get there <laughs> early that day and get that pen. Oh, or you could just open up early for your old pal Marcus. If you ever need someone, I, I I follow the rules, man. Rules yeah. are for fools. Um, well, just make sure you tape your fist up before you go down there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna like I'm gonna put like just pieces of just rocks in my hands, <laughs> tape my fist up like this. Oh, you I can have do, two do guys it like that are hand. always camped out there. Do it like in Rambo three when he dipped his hands in the uh, what was it whatever glue or something, then put glass on his on his. Nose. Oh yeah, nice. Megan, was, you gonna help me out with that? I won't be I able to drive. Not, <laughs> I am. I am not too good for camping out at a place. I the two guys that regularly show up. That's isn't the, that all the fun? The two of guys Black that regularly shut up are crazy. Mm-hmm. They oh, what are time really? do they show intense. up? I don't really want to. They show up usually. Um. Gosh, well, no, let's not call them out. We'll four. talk about that privately. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, they're good guys, but but I always tell them, I'm like, you know, I, I want to throw one of them a bat and one of them a chainsaw or something. <laughs> tell them, go at it. Go at it. No. Uh, you, I, new, I don't new bad idea rule. Whoever wins the death match gets the pin. You, you have to play the music from Star Trek. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> I can like hear it in my head now. <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, if we um, fight to the death, they'll kill us both. 
just I show up to the shop one Wednesday and there's just someone's mopping up some blood. Hey, Marcus, oh, like you here for your How's book? How's it going? Well, I just want to want y'all to know that Bad Idea loves you. They sure, they do. Oh God! Um, what? What? What do you is mean? That a, is that what love is? That sounds um, terrifying. The way you said that, yeah, I didn't like that's that. That's creepy. <laughs> I, Bad idea is a cult. Oh God! Is it a cult of personality? It's a it's <laughs> a brilliant marketing campaign wrapped in an enigma. Yep. I mean, it's I def- mean, they're killing I'm it. I'm very interested. I like. I mean, I don't have any. Well, just so you know, us us retailers don't know a whole lot more than other people. I mean, I've kind of tried to read the tea leaves and stuff to kind of figure out maybe where they're going. I mean, if 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 they can pull all this off, it'll be impressive. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what happens come the end of the year and the beginning of next year. Oh, why are my dogs freaking out? (laughs) Um. Anyways, so for the last thing that we are going to do today is when we have a guest on, I want to give our guest the recommendation seat and let them talk about something that they think you should read. So I'll let Marvin know uh, that about this, and he is going to recommend a book that you should read and tell you a little bit about why he thinks that you should read it. Marvin, it's all yours, man. So my comic book venture uh, after G.I. Joe and Avengers was, of course, X-Men. And one of my favorite stories from X-Men was the Mutant Massacre. Uh, Just for you had the uh, Marauders come in and try and just completely try to wipe out the Morlocks. And it's it's one of my favorite stories because it's so brutal of the things that that happened in in the story. Uh, and then later on, when you find out that not only was Mr. Sinister involved in it, Gambit was involved also. So it's something that started back in the 80s and then is more is was made even more relevant today. So that's Mutant Massacre is one of my favorite stories. I, just, I love it. Awesome. Yeah, I, I man, you know, now that I, I've only started reading X-Men recently, Mm-hmm. Uh, with the you know um, House and Powers of X run into current, and it's made me much more interested in the X Men, and I really want to go back and check out a lot of those stories. Um, so yeah, there, there's there's some some there. of the best stories. I mean, I don't I don't think in comics uh, there may be uh, shifting between one, two, and three, but the Dark Phoenix saga is one of the best stories I've I've ever written, whether comics, novels, or whatever. Dark Phoenix is amazing. Yeah. And they still can't stick the landing, even though they've adapted it. <laughs> well, I mean, you had, you had the animated series, which did it pretty good. I mean, I would stick with it. It did. But the, true, mean, like, the messed up part about it is, is that uh, Feige will probably never touch it. No, it, it like oh it, it's, it's something a long way from now. I'm really interested to see how they uh, approach the X-Men and the MCU, but I think it's going to be a long while. I think that they have a, years uh mm-hmm. from now plan uh planned out and just throwing the x-men in there is gonna be gonna be interesting yeah them and, well them in the fantastic four i mean you've got he's, he's got he's got the whole entire uh box of toys now so <laughs> sky's the limit i'm i'm really ready to see a good fantastic four 
anything <laughs> like i yeah. cannot wait to see a good fantastic four movie i mean the first couple well i'm gonna say the first couple there was that one that they made for money reasons in the 90s or like yeah. late 80s yeah the, the but like the first couple i was they're they're kind of campy like mm-hmm. okay like i had fun with them when i was a kid watching them um but fan four stick was really hard <laughs> to sit through i I think I turned it on and within five to 10 minutes I was done. Yeah. It's just, it's, you know, I don't even think a director's cut. I know the directors said like, you know, there, there's a better cut of it or a better idea Mm. there somewhere, but it's like, I don't think a director's cut could save that thing. Um, Anyways, we're getting really, really (laughs) off. Um, Thank you so much for listening with us today. Thank you so much, Marvin, for coming and talking to us about your book and some of your favorite things and the uh, web series that you're working on, Heronberg. I'm really excited to continue reading The Edge, and I hope we can get it down here in Arkansas. Uh, You have free reign to harass James uh, <laughs> by me in order well, to make that happen. Well, the, the, the good news is, is that I am a persistent emailer. So if I don't yeah. get responses, then <laughs> for, first Absolutely. I make the emails and then I'm calling the store. I'm like, Hey, Hey, yep. thanks, Hey, how's it going? <laughs> there we go. And, um, and Misty also works there too. So if you hear woman pick up, that's Misty. So, so you have all the names for when you call. <laughs> James is like, Marcus. Yeah, just to let, let know, I'm, I'm making I'm making my second rounds on issue four uh, this week with email and phone calls. Awesome. Yeah. Excellent. All right. And again, thank everyone. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at VF Comics Podcast and even have a website where we also have blog posts where you can find a preview to Marvin's series, The Edge, at www.vfcomicspodcast.com. We will see you guys all next week. <laughs>